Welcome to the Colby Cast, episode 96. Thank you for joining us. Today we're joined by Catherine O'Brien of Celtic College Consultants. Catherine has spent years helping students prepare for college, and today she talks to us about preparing our children to be adults, and how this involves giving them space to have responsibility, success, and sometimes most importantly, failure. Catherine had intended to join us as a speaker for the upcoming spring virtual college fair, but unfortunately a death in the family will prevent her from doing so. Please join us in praying for Catherine and her family. We hope that you'll enjoy the show. Hi there, I'm Bonnie, liturgical musician, popcorn and podcast fanatic, and Colby homeschooling mom to four lads and lasses of middle and high school age. And this is Stephen, homeschooling father of five and director of development for Colby Academy. Last fall, Colby Academy hosted a virtual college fair featuring keynote talks by Jeremy Tate of the Classic Learning Test, who can be heard on ColbyCast episode number 38, Substance Matters, and Patrick Riley of the Cardinal Newman Society, who spoke with us here on the ColbyCast on episode 84, The Essence of Catholic Education, along with presentations by several Newman Guide Colleges. If you're listening to this ColbyCast when it airs in late April 2022, you are just in time to register for the Spring Virtual College Fair happening this Friday, April 29th. We'll tell you how to register later. For now, settle in as we visit with Catherine O'Brien, founder of Celtic College Consultants. Hello, Catherine, and welcome to the ColbyCast. Hello. Thank you for having me. Sure. It's great to meet you. Um, I've been, I think I first became aware of you when I noticed uh, some workshops that you were uh, hosting. You had posted information about them in the unofficial Colby Families group on Facebook. So I've been uh, reading up on your blog and, and following you for since then. So I'm really happy to get to meet you today and hear about your services that you offer and talk about transitioning to college. So would you tell us about yourself and your Colby connection and your, your company, Celtic College Consultants? Sure. I am um, a longtime Colby wannabe. <laughs> um, I have six kids. My youngest is a junior. And so my oldest is about to turn 28 on Saturday. Wow. Um, and I say I want to be because I've uh, unfortunately been on my own with the children for a long time. So I've had to make mm -hmm. a lot of compromises in order to continue homeschooling and do the best I can. So mm -hmm. thanks be to God for homeschool connections and other places to kind of scoop up people like me mm -hmm. that couldn't do a full program. I've known numerous Colby families and have been thrilled to pieces with the caliber and substance of the program for many years. So I'm tickled pink to be able to speak with you guys. Um, and for you parents in the trenches, it is worth it. Even when you want to strangle them, it is worth it to continue on <laughs> one day at a time on your knees, best you can one child at a time. Um, because the formation that you're putting in them will echo in their lives for the rest of their lives. And no matter how far away they go from the church and be assured that some of them will, um, that core principles, those core principles are there and they will come back and God will draw them. And I was just sharing before the show that I've recently been, uh, had the privilege of becoming a godmother for the first time and a uh, confirmation sponsor for the first time, um, for a beloved man who left the church when he was 14 and in his return to the church after almost 60 years away and becoming a Methodist minister and doing ministry, lots of places, it was simple things like the Hail Mary and, going to mass that drew him back because the reverberation, God just stepped on that and pulled him back in hmm. after all those years. So those things, those seeds we're planting will bear rich, rich fruit. Um, you asked also about the, my business. So Celtic College Consultants started at a park day, a homeschool park day many, many years ago back in Poway, California. Um, a number of our moms had never been to college and I'd been to grad school. So I'd done it twice and they started asking questions and when things fell apart and the kid's dad stopped working and eventually disappeared, I needed a way to support us. Um, so I found opportunities to get mentored and to start doing what I was already doing. And I've been blessed to be able to work with thousands of students and families across the country in all sorts of fields, helping them figure out who they are and own it, because that is like the work of a teenager to figure out who I am and be comfortable in my own skin. And then where's God calling me? What are my gifts and own them? And what is the right place for me to grow in those gifts. And, and then alongside that, very early on, I um, 
did some formation, became, became a certified college planning specialist, because especially in Southern California, where I lived for many, many years, there were so many families that made good money. And they were in that window where they made too much to get need-based aid, but not enough to write checks. And that pain point place. And I wanted more tools to be able to help them. So ever since 2009, when I had that certification, I've been working on that side as well. Um, one of the few college consultants that does both sides, the student formation and admissions and that whole process, as well as the financial side, which sort of reflects my academic background. Um, my undergrad, I have an industrial engineering degree from Northwestern University, mm-hmm. where I spent a lot of time at the Newman Center. That was my home away from home. Um, And I also have a master's degree in theology from Franciscan, and I'm working on a doctorate in theology at the moment. So I I speak geek and I can actually write in English as well. Um, (laughs) So that's being able to do the people side and the money side where a lot of my colleagues can do the people and the English, but they can't do their math, but I can do both. It's a rarity. Yeah. Yes, it is. Quite a gem and uh, what beauty to see what has come from your lived experience and you're putting it in the service of, of families. It's, it's such a privilege. Um, I liken, sometimes people ask me why I do what I do. And I, I liken it to the math teacher that kind of gets so excited when the light goes on, when they see the child go two plus two is just sort of this stuff exterior to the interior and the light goes on. They're like, oh, I get it now. Two and two is four. I know what that means interiorly. And that is such a joy. And I get to do that with the people themselves, watching these youth get to know who they are themselves and the light go on interiorly of, oh, I'm this kind of person and it's okay to be me. And there's a place for me in the world. And there's a place for me in God's kingdom. And I can be me and to see that light go on. That's what I get to watch and be in the front row seat. And it's such a privilege and a joy to partner with parents, to work with their children, to help them step into themselves. <laughs> my uh I, i'm a thomas aquinas college grad it was with my first degree but but then went to get a civil engineering degree after that so i share that kind of math and things but but again immediately what you said with you know you think oh if, if you're poor going to college that's going to be impossible well i went to thomas aquinas college with basically you know, I had to take out some minimal student loans, but they provided huge financial aid packages. But just like you're saying, they have strictly need-based financial aid. So so then if you are in that middle-class area, you there's nothing available directly from the school any longer. And so in, in working with homeschooling families, it was always the case like, oh, this education is so worth it. You want it. But, but you know, having parents say, yeah, but $35,000 a year is, is out of the question for when we've got eight children as well. <laughs> this is going to go on for a long time. So I'm really looking forward to, to hearing about some of what. Yeah, I've had the privilege of speaking at, at several professional conferences and speaking to admissions professionals about homeschoolers and sharing our demographics of a lot of us being single parent workers and having far more than the 2.2 or 1.9 children that people are, are being brave enough to have these days that we're actually courageous and bold and have four and six and eight and 12 and more than that. Um, and that the dynamic dynamic changes everything. So we speak to them from everything from how to read our transcripts and understand the context for our kids and how college ready they are just by doing this sort of work in high school. They're already doing things the way you do them in university, as well as having a better understanding for the family dynamics and the sacrifice involved and recognizing that the financial aid formulas don't work for anybody, but they really don't work for us. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, getting to know a number of the financial aid officers at a number of the Newman guide schools, especially who are stellar among their peers, because if you ask a straight question, you get a straight answer, which is not the typical situation when you talk to a financial aid professional. Mm. You get a lot of smoke and mirrors and obfuscation and sometimes just downright wrong answers. Um, And I'll say this to your parents because sometimes it can be very nerve wracking to say, oh, you know, here are our finances. Here is our entire situation. It's, you know, it's a very getting naked experience and it can be extremely scary. But with the Newman Guide people, 
you put your best foot forward and be honest with them and they will put their best foot forward to come back and help you. We're all on the same page with the other schools. You can't act that way. You need to be, you know, wise as serpents and, and mm -hmm. all that, you know, innocent as doves and wise as serpents because you got to play the game a little bit differently. Um, but it's been a delight to have some financial aid officers that you can actually talk to and get real answers and they will go to prayer for you as well. Um, and that's one of the other things I do for all my families, which I've been doing for years and years and years is I have a holy hour every week and I take all of my families with me every week. Um, I'm the only college consultant I've ever met who takes my families to holy hour. Whether, and I've worked with the whole gamut of uh, families committed against organized religion to Muslim families, Jewish families, to staunchly you know, Latin mass only Catholic families, the whole spectrum of people and taking them where they are, knowing that they are God's children and helping them. What is that next step towards Christ for them from where they are? Because um, that's all we can do is that next step, whatever that looks like, even though it might be a really tiny step, really far away, but they have to take it in order to get closer. Sure. So, yeah. That's a very real dilemma that the value that we see in the beautiful education at the Newman Guide Colleges and many other colleges in the liberal arts but the, the cost of it and not wanting to saddle our children with a lot of debt or being able to take on that debt ourselves. How to balance those two things is, is very real. Um, today in this conversation, we're hoping to focus in on the idea of transitioning to college. So let's talk about your approach to preparing students for college. You have a blog post up on, on your um, college prep answer guide, which we will link in our show notes. It's called What Every Student Heading Off to College in the Workforce Should Be Able to Do, which I think is a great starting point. But but I'd love for you to to give us some things we may not have thought of yet or just uh, things to keep in mind as we're trying to do our part to help them help themselves and do for them do for themselves what they can do. And I wanted to point out on my blog, because this is something I've written about quite a bit. So there's also signs that your child is ready for college that I wrote in January, um, Five Habits to Become a Better You that I wrote um, also in January. Advice for our sons is another one um, from September of 2021. Um, so I would suggest that you fish around because I do touch a lot of topics. One of the things that I do, again, uh, uniquely, fairly uniquely among my peers is I don't quit when the kids get accepted to college is I spend the next couple of months talking about all of the obstacles from here to there so that they are ready and they understand what office hours are and what TAs are for and, you know, how to manage their time and their money and all of those things. To answer your question, to start broadly, is that when our children hit 13, we'll say, they're finishing the eighth grade, we need to start realizing that mom needs to start retiring. Hmm. And so by the time that child graduates high school, Everything that mom does, all those hidden things, those many, many hours that we spend organizing all your stuff so you have it in the gym bag when you go to practice, organizing the appointments, getting you places, all the different things that we do, emotionally helping you talk through things and prepare you for things, that all of that, we need to learn how to do ourselves. So we need to teach our kids to do that. Um, so when I have the opportunity to work with families in eighth and ninth grade, I will start them on the path. And actually, whenever they start working with me, I'll start them on that path. And if they come to me as juniors, I tell them, you need to fire your mom. I'm really blunt at that point. And they always look at me shocked. Like, I don't want to fire my mom. I say, no, but, but she's not going to go to university with you. The kids have no idea what that means. They're blankly and mom's going, oh, yes, I get to take that load off. And the child is sitting there going, fine with me. I have no, because they have no idea. So we need to, and as, as homeschoolers, we tend to be pretty intentional to set up those little opportunities for them to take over. Maybe they're going to plan the next family vacation and you're going to be over the shoulder and they're going to figure out when you need to get gas and how much you need to food you need to bring and where you're staying and however you're, you're doing things, if you're camping or if you're hoteling or staying with friends or whatever you're doing and have them figure that out. And, oh, we're going to go across the Canadian border or the Mexican border, or we're going to fly someplace. How do we do the money exchange and all, the, all those things and have them figure it out? And they're going to fail like crazy. And you're going to be behind them, like sweeping up the mess. And so it's going to plan twice as long because it always takes longer to teach somebody to do something to do it yourself. Um, 
but figure out those things. Maybe it's um, meal planning so that they can do the grocery list. So then they can go do the shopping. So at this point, I almost never cook. My youngest is 17, but I haven't cooked in years unless I want to cook. I do the meal planning because I don't like the meals my boys plan because they're boys and they'll just eat starch and I'd weigh 400 pounds if I ate what they went on the <laughs> list all the time. So I control the meal planning, but they have to do all the cooking. And it's always fun to have a guest over to dinner and I'm chatting away and they're expecting me to disappear and go in the kitchen. And I never go in the kitchen. And <laughs> I'm like, how is this going to work? Um, and some of that, I had the, the gift of being a single parent. So you can't do everything. So it was really clear that my boys had to learn things. I also have the gift of being a Boy Scout leader. Yep, not all the policies are perfect. That's, that's true everywhere. Um, however, it, what is Boy Scouts about? But creating fun adventures wherein the boys get to simulate being adults. And they have to plan that hike. They have to plan that camp out. They have to plan the activities. They have to plan the meals. They have to plan the budgets. They have to raise money. They have to do all these different things. So it's the same thing. So they need to figure out how to handle money. They need to figure out how to handle their time. They need to figure out how to handle their emotions because conflict resolution with your roommate and your dorm mate and all those things, they need to figure out how to say no to themselves because I really met the best guy in the whole wide world. And I really want to date a mom. And I've been at college for three weeks and maybe he is the best guy. And maybe he is Mr. Right someday down the road but just to recognize in humility and I'm three weeks at college and I have no idea what I'm doing yet. We're going to put a pin in that relationship and come back to you later <laughs> because we just don't have time, but to have that ability to say no in something big like that, that maybe they're going to lose him. It feels like so much on the line when you're 18, you know, in that place, yeah. but it starts with all those little no's. Um, and I think we think of those things a lot of times in the spiritual life, but we sometimes forget to put the practical applications out there. Mm -hmm. um, and we need to do that and, and let our kids fail. Yeah. That's really, really important. And it's one of the things I love about scouting is we set these young men up or young women up and let them go do things. And we're, we're watching. And if they fail, if it gets dangerous, we step in immediately, but if they fail, then we talk them through and help them suck out the marrow out of failure, because that's where the good lessons are. When you fail, you learn so much more than when you succeed actually mm -hmm. and having that opportunity to fail and oh um we're in oklahoma but i thought we were going to indianapolis <laughs> hmm maybe we took a wrong turn you know and we're a parent we're not going to go you know four days out of our way but we might go an hour and say you know let's take a rest stop and look at the map mm -hmm. you know and then let them and stand there behind them with our mouths closed which is the hardest thing in the world i gotta tell you yes. with our mouths closed and figure out okay we're here and just let them figure everything else out and go, oh, we need to go the other way on the highway. All right, how do we do this? You know, just all those little things. Um, and some of that is taking mom or dad, depending on how your family does, does things, um, offline and out to coffee, having your child ask you out to coffee and your child pay for your coffee to have a conversation. And at first, those conversations are about absolutely nothing. You know, it's whatever I was just learning in the lesson. It's just about nothing, but it's opening the door because then later we're going to talk to them about sex and we're going to talk to them about drugs. And we're going to talk to them about people who leave the faith and people that preach the wrong thing and people that tempt them to steal from work or to lie or cheat in some other significant way. But if we don't have those little butterfly conversations offline away from everybody where we just have this rapport and it's safe and it's okay for you to spout heresy for a minute and us to contemplate whether, you know, what is the truth in that heresy? Okay. And then why is it not true? And have those conversations, which is one of the things that a school like Colby fosters that kind of conversation, but then to be able to play that into, okay, so, you know, do all women need to stay home? Is it wrong for women to work or how do I want to settle this? Or what kind of, all the millions of questions they're going to ask and to just have a place where they can ask those questions and say the dumb things that we all say when we're teenagers as we're trying to figure it out and have us almost Socratic dialogue as well as we can do it. I did engineering before I did humanity, so I'm not the greatest at it, but to, to give them the opportunity to sort through it with our guidance in a safe place where they're not out doing those things. They're thinking about them and trying to figure out what decisions do I make and why do I make them? And what are the consequences of choosing this or that direction? And 
And what if I, what if I choose the wrong college is my entire life over? Mm-hmm. Oh no. You know, and it's not over, <laughs> but they don't know that. Um, but just all those millions of conversations that they need to have some with mom, some with dad on the little topics and the big topics. And the other thing I would say parents is, you know, your children, you also cannot do everything. You have to bring in people that are not you. And it gets increasingly, and some people don't use phones at all for their kids. And so that makes it easier. But a lot of our children don't know how to pick up a phone and call somebody that they don't know. Right. And, and I see this, I, I help boys with their Eagle Scout projects. And that can be the most terrifying thing. It can set a project back months because they have to pick up a phone and call somebody. And they're terrified. But they have to do that. And so they need to call the doctor's office and change an appointment. And they know nurse Nancy, they've known her for, she's been there for 30 years. She's a really sweet lady, always has a lollipop, whatever, but they're still like, I got it out of the phone and, you know, yes. but just talk them through the script and let them call you and practice or whatever they need to do. And, and our kids then that are really bold and daring and need to like slow down and think a little first. And, mm-hmm. you know, so, but trust your gut parents that, you know, your child and you know how to ease them in because we can't protect them from the world. We need to train them up to be warriors, to stand firm in the world and not be of the world. And that's a whole different ball of wax from when the children were little. And yep, we, we do have the corral closed and the kids are protected because they're little and they're defenseless. But as they get older, if we never hand them the sword, their arm never gets strong enough to wield it. If we never hand them a shield, they don't know how to use it. If we never take them with the wooden sword so they can practice, and I mean, I don't mean physical swords necessarily, unless you're in defensing, but I mean, the, the, the things we need to, in order to stand firm in the world, to make the decisions we need to make that I overslept and I'm late for work. So I'm just going to skip my shift, or I'm going to have the courage to call my boss and say, I messed up and I overslept and I can come in two hours late if you want me to, or you can fire me or just face the music of whatever that is and not hide. Um, but just all those things to just really remember that you are not raising children. You are raising adults. And these are adults that in the eyes of the universities, and it doesn't matter if this is your 14 year old who's taking classes at a college, that 14 year old is considered an adult. That's usually a shocker for people. Mm -hmm. Um, The information flow from the school goes through your child. Well, what if my kid never reads their email or they don't tell me things very accurately? Well, we need to start with a small stakes, you know, T-ball league for the brother kind of information before we're getting into the financial aid stuff that has a deadline with a big consequence kind of things. Mm -hmm. But looking for all those things and knowing that they need those opportunities, they have to have them. It's no diminishment of us as parents providing for them. It's actually the gift that they need. We're still over them. They still have their fathers to protect them, their mothers to guide them. And they're out there in the driver's seat of whatever the event or the thing is taking the responsibility with the training wheels on if mom and dad are there, if they mess up and you can figure it out and sort it out. And the coolest thing about it, because we all like to have 48 children is that the number one teaches so much to number two and everybody else. And so by number three, they're going to expect it to happen. And they're going to know that at some point they're going to be taking point and they'll be leading something. And they know that you messed up the way you handled it with number one. And you were a little sharp or unforgiving or whatever our sins are. Cause we're, we're just parents. We sin and, but we, you know, begged forgiveness and we worked it out. And so that, yeah, they might, we, we parents might mess up with number three, but number three knows that they'll work it out. They're still here for us. And they also see the beautiful things we do when we handle it well. And we affirm them and we take them aside and they're not embarrassed or humiliated by their mistake, but they have that space that they need, that we all need in the midst of our humiliation of making a mistake to go, okay, so we are in Oklahoma and Indianapolis is East. So what do we do? And having that space to just let them think, figure it out and then bounce it off of you. Well, I'm thinking we'll go this way and then we'll go that way. What do you think? you know, and, and have those conversations offline. And, and number three is going to see that and go, okay. So if I make a mistake and we end up in Austin, Texas, we're still not in Indianapolis. We're closer, but I went South instead of East, <laughs> you know, whatever the, the thing is. Um, but it, that domino effect 
does pay off because it can be disheartening with the oldest child. It's a lot. You don't know what you're doing. You're guessing. You're trying to figure it out. You're fumbling around. That's what we all do on our oldest children. But God knew that. And that's why that particular child was our first child. And that particular child will be different. And if you look in the lives of the saints, you'll see that first children are used differently than middle children are used differently than the youngest children in the kingdom of God. And there are great saints that have been all of them. And there've been great saints that have had no parents that have had one parent that have had all kinds of atrocities and have had the best parents in the world. So whatever your sins are, whatever your situation at home is, just keep looking at Christ and don't worry about it, but be intentional about getting your kids in that driver's seat of life and figuring out the money and figuring out their time and figuring out how to be responsible and figuring out the legal stuff. You know, when they turn 18, they're adults, even though they may be still kind of an idiot and we need a lot of our help, or they might be the most responsible, wonderful person. And it might be twins that are one of each. Um, but your child needs to know those things and, and accept those responsibilities. And um, like, let me give another example. When my kids turn 15, you get a birthday card and you get a gift. And inside the birthday card on the left, it tells them how much money they need to give me on their 16th birthday if they would like the privilege of driving. And I call my insurance agent a week before their 15th birthday. And I say, okay, so if I want to add this child on in a year, you know, pretend it's their 16th birthday next week, how much more is it going to cost me on the car insurance? And they tell me, and that's the number I write on the card. So my kids have known since the first one turned 15 many years ago, oh, it's not automatic. I'm not automatically getting a license and I'm not automatically getting that privilege, that that privilege comes with responsibilities. And so that example maybe will be a good paradigm as we're giving out privileges that the responsibilities, they need to be awake and aware that they're taking on the responsibilities that go with those privileges, whatever the privileges are that they're getting as we are unreeling our our parental control to facilitate their becoming an adult control of running their lives. See the temptation, well, as you're explaining this, which I love, but I can see how I develop, have developed bad habits as a parent because, you know, when you've got all little kids and they make a mess, it's like, I know the patient thing to do would be to have them help me clean up this mess. That would be the best thing to do, but I've got to go off to a meeting or something. I've only got so many minutes. And so let's just get them out of the room and let's get this cleaned up and, uh-huh. and then I'll move on from there. But, yeah. um, but, and then then I realized, okay, as my children get older, I haven't necessarily weaned myself from that habit. I mean, yes, they can help clean up a little bit, but, um, but do I really kind of give them, I I certainly don't give them room to fail as they should have that opportunity. And, And of course I do recognize it, especially from a business perspective, that if there's, if you don't have the ability to fail, you don't have the ability to succeed. So they go hand in hand. So, and it's like, as you're saying all these things, it's like, of course, well, now I have a to-do list for the next couple of months, of course. But uh, Sure. I was just thinking like, we've got, we, as, as homeschooling families, we probably have our systems down that have been cultivated over many years and we've got it working for us. And it's, it's hard to make a sea change, like a, a, to steer the ship in a different direction, to, to start allowing the kids to, you know, expecting that of them to allow them to do those things and and to accept what that means to us in terms of what that's going to do to our running of things and and all our time and our contributions and all that just it takes a little bit to to change the approach i guess the expectations maybe it does it's in a very real sense it's going back to having toddlers yeah and there were those times when we were all ready to lose our minds and pull our, tear our hair out. And we had to remind ourselves that this is a phase. Mm-hmm. Eventually this child will walk. Eventually this child will feed itself. This, eventually this child will use the toilet all by itself and all these other things and learn how to close a door and not slam it. And just the millions of itsy bitsy teeny weeny things, but it's the same exact path with our teenagers. It's just bigger stakes because they're taking our 
car down the road to the store to get milk for mom or whatever, you know, oh, yeah. um, but it's, it's the same thing. So in a sense, yeah, we all create systems. Absolutely. We have to, but they've always been changing. Yes. You know, yeah. and we've all had that season where mom got sick or had to go away because her parents were ill or something like that, or dad had to go on a business trip. And so we had to limp as a family because somebody had surgery or something happened and it, and we had to function without somebody. And so we do know how to shift our systems. We do. And we do know how to lean on the kids because in those moments we did, and they stepped, they stepped up. So I'm thinking, okay, I like this idea. I know I've, we've tried it. We do certain things and like, okay, here's your job to do. And, and then it's like, oh, but it seems like it's just nagging and it's just easier to, again, easier to just spend the 30 seconds and do it myself rather than get all of the drama. And, but it sounds like the best thing is to be persistent and consistent and, and probably, and you mentioned something about, it sounds like consequences as well. Like, okay, it's your job. What are the consequences if this job doesn't get done? Is that... Am I on the right track? You are. And some of it is, is remembering that we're looking at the long-term training. Sometimes we get stuck in the short term of, I don't really want to deal with your attitude or whatever the, the feedback is going to be from the child who didn't do the thing. Um, but we have to remember that I'm disciplining you because in six months, in six years, whenever it is, I'm not going to be there and you need to be able to do this day in, day out reliably. You need to show up on time because that's going to hurt you for every single class in college, every single job you have, every single date you have with your future wife, all that. So buddy, you just lost whatever. And the other thing is um, we can tend to let our kids talk back when they shouldn't. And so, and that's a fine line and it's hard when they're teenagers, because sometimes they do need to talk back. There needs to be a conversation. And sometimes it's just, I'm being lazy and that, you know, that's their attitude. I'm being lazy and I don't want to deal with your stuff. So if I whine a little, maybe you'll let me off. It worked when I was eight. So I'll try it when I'm 14 <laughs> and I'll try it again when I'm 17. Um, and we have to remember that that is an adult in training and that's not going to fly. So pretend we're their boss instead of their parent, you know, uh, no son, uh, you just, their whole shift is waiting for you because you didn't bring the supplies in. So we could do the thing that we need to do on our shift. So yeah. Why did you think that was okay? <laughs> which in the moment might feel a little bit like being mean, but it's the best medicine. And I, I'm a woman, I've struggled with this. I've had to be their dad, which it can sometimes be easier for the men to be a little bit more because they don't, I don't know, they just have that gift of being a little bit, um, not maybe so emotionally connected and wanting to be, keep it all nice as, at least as I do sometimes. Um, but when I have spoken at conferences, I also listen and, the complaint about homeschoolers, the homeschoolers that do not succeed at college are the ones that haven't had deadlines consistently applied and consequences for those deadlines. Those kids tend to wash out. All the rest of the homeschoolers, they love us because the kids are so disciplined and so independent and so able to think and articulate and all the other things that we inculcate into them. But that one thing, and that just kind of was the last straw for me to just tip over and say, no, I need to be the tougher mom and make sure the consequences are there or else my children are going to go out there and they're going to fail where they could have succeeded if I taught them to make sure the deadlines happened. Sure. The, the logical and natural consequences. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the other piece, cause I can tend to be over on the logical. I mean, I trained for a long time in engineering. It does things to your brain. <laughs> um, but then that regular time in a holy hour, before mass, whenever we can tuck it in with our routine and our spiritual lives is to take those children and surrender them to the Lord and just sit in quiet with, you know, the first child, the second child and say, Lord, I am just here. I'm just a steward. I have no bloody idea what this child needs. I'm seeing this and that, but you know, the whole picture. And we all know well that we all wear masks and teenagers are very good at masks because I'm have an idea or a thought and I'm not ready to share it or I have a wound and I'm hiding from something and I'm not ready to whatever. And, or I'm trying out this part of my personality. And so, you know, there's just all those different things that are going on. So in humility, none of us really knows everything they need to know. 
in order to parent well, but the Lord knows everything. So if we have those regular touch points, we're just surrendering and saying, okay, God, I need you to direct me. Logically, I can see this um, based on the past patterns and behaviors. I can see that, but I want to do what you want me to do, even if it doesn't it might work through my logic or it might be something that you just inspire me in my gut to say, yep, with this child, I need to be really gentle right now. And I have no idea why, um, but to just to have that balance that we're always surrendering to the Holy spirit. It's that listening and what is God telling me to do? And, and, and even like this last year, I'm just finishing with a pair of twins and I was really, really hard on the brother and really, really gentle with his sister. And about halfway through the process of applications, I find out the sisters got debilitating medical issues and we're offline for a while and we're in the hospital for a while and there's all kinds of stuff going on. But when I started being gentle with her, I had no idea that she had health issues, but I just knew that I was being led to be more gentle with her and her brother being hard on him is, was exactly what he needed. And he has blossomed like crazy and he's doing amazing things and he's getting great offers and having wonderful opportunities unfold. And he, even he's like, you've always given it to me straight. And they've had conversations at home that they relate to me later. It's like, oh, she never talks to me like that. You know, she's always really direct. It's like, no, no, she's really gentle and patient. And they're like, is this the same person? Um, but it's just like that with our kids that sometimes they need us one way and sometimes they need us the other way. And that trying to just immerse ourselves in the Lord and be his tool. Cause it's not about getting the parent of the year award. And it's not about, you know, me being able to trot out, well, my first child went here on, you know, 85 bazillion dollars in scholarship. My second, that's not what it's about. It's about, well, my first child needed me in this way. And I showed up. My second child has needed me in that way. And I'm still showing up. And those paths may be, um, you know, the quote ideal path that, we want them to be on and they might be messy and we have to let go of the, of the in, initial outcomes because sometimes they do the, the right thing for the wrong reasons. Sometimes they do the wrong thing for the right reasons. Sometimes the best thing for them, and please don't get mad at me, Colby people, but sometimes the rest thing for them is to leave the church and hate God for a little while. Cause you remember what happens when we wrestle with God, we lose. But when we're hating God, we're wrestling with God. When we're indifferent, that's the scary place because we're not engaged. But if they're mad as heck about whatever, they're engaged. So when they get indifferent, you want to pray for something to happen so they get engaged. But that might be the best thing for them. Like the, the gentleman I mentioned at the beginning of the show who'd been away from the church for so long, one of the gifts that I could give him was when I finished at Northwestern, I left the church for a few years. I was really tired of not getting fed anything. And it just wasn't, there just was no substance anywhere. And I was really sick of nothing. And I knew Jesus and nobody at the parish or the Newman center pretty much did. It was just the, and I just, anyway, but to be able to have that gift and, and be able to say to that man before he went to confession after all those years, yeah, I had to do this too. And yeah, it was hard while well, God was using me over here to bring people to Christ and bring people to baptism and bring people into the faith. I wasn't going to Sunday mass. And so I'm having to confess, not going to Sunday mass, et cetera. And the same thing for him was like, yes, God used me over here, but I wasn't being fully obedient. But so those gifts that we have in our own brokenness to share with others. And so our child who's off the rails in some way or whatever their journey is, they're going to be able to share with other people that have a similar journey out of those lessons that they've learned, how God showed up and God continued to be faithful because we know he is and God continued to love them and how much mercy, how much mercy was poured out upon them and kindness that they didn't deserve. So remember that we need to keep our eyes on the Lord, that the storm sometimes is our children and we can't watch the wind and the waves or we sink like Peter did. We have to keep our eyes on the Lord in the storm and let go of the children into his hands. And that can be the hardest thing because we are walking on water. That is what we are called to do. We are called to walk on water. And so we got to call, call to walk on water with our kids. We want to carry them all, but they have to learn how to walk on water too. But if we keep our eyes on the Lord and we keep listening to both logic and reason, you know, the teachings of the church and the Holy Spirit, we will be oriented on Christ and we will get our way 
toward doing what we're supposed to be doing, what our contribution to their formation is. Going back just a little bit, hearing you describe sort of this process of of figuring out where to be tougher, where to be not lenient, but gentler, I guess that's those ideas of mercy and justice working together, right? They not Mm -hmm. one over the other, but them somehow balanced, which is, you know, we're not going to get that perfectly, certainly anywhere all the time, of course, but that's part of the deal with where we all are here. And so I was thinking that those ideas of mercy and justice were coming to mind as you were uh, suggesting how to accompany our teenagers through this time. Yeah. And to get ourselves out of the way, because it's not about us. Mm-hmm. And yeah. sometimes we can get caught up that, oh, you know, this child left the church or this child sinned in that way, or this child did this boneheaded thing and whatever. Okay. But that doesn't reflect back on our parenting. It doesn't reflect back on anything, but that child's choice to do whatever they did or not do whatever they didn't do. And sometimes we can get caught up in looking good for everybody else. And we want our family to all kind of look good and party line and all that stuff. And um, look at the apostles. They were a hot mess. They were a total mess of goobers. I mean, they just, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so you like, look at this. Why did you pick this group of guys? They were just ridiculous in so many ways. It's so inadequate in so many ways. And it's like, so that's Jesus and his closest. So are we expecting that our family is going to look neat and tidy when that's the f- people that he started the church with? They were not neat and tidy. So we need to not worry so much and just be ourselves and let our kids be themselves and know that, yep, they're going to do dumb things and make mistakes. And, and some of them are going to do fantastic things. And hopefully in the end, we all end up at the same place, which is, you know, the throne of God in glory but we just keep our eyes on the prize and let their journey be their journey and don't let our pride get in the way. Cause sometimes we do that and that doesn't help. Very true. So the biggest thing we have to remember to do is to get out of their way and give them opportunities to grow up and little things at the beginning, you know, like your eight year old can throw a tea party for the, for you. Mm-hmm. And you know, you can make sure they don't burn anything in the oven when they're making the scones or cookies or whatever they're going to have and make sure they don't burn themselves when they're making the tea and help them figure it out. Yeah. And what do we need to buy? And make sure the stuff's on the list. Oh, you didn't buy it? Well, I guess we'll have to postpone it to next week. And you know, little teeny things and then bigger things and bigger things. And um, just let them let them try, you know, and have those for all of you blessed to, to have intact marriages. Use some of that pillow time, that treasured pillow time at the end of the day, once in a while to assess, okay, so child one, what's missing? What's weak? What's strong? What opportunities? Does this one need, what are we seeing? What are we getting in prayer and child two? And, you know, we might need a few nights if we've got lots of kids. We still are, are parenting. Um, but every so often just to kind of check in and make sure we're on the same page, we're seeing the same things and just be aware. Oh um, yeah. We're kind of missed this area with this child. Okay. So how, you know, what opportunities are coming up that we can help that child. Um, and the other thing I would say is please stop being afraid of sex. They need to understand it. They need to understand it's beautiful and wonderful and a great gift from the Lord. And it's something that parents do. <laughs> it's part of the marriage covenant. They need to understand it in the relationship between God and the church. That We've got the bridal spousal relationship here between the bride and the bridegroom. And obviously we're talking then, you know, Eucharist and other ways of communion than the physical communion we're talking about in the marital situation, but that, you know, that whole area of inclination and drive is normal and part of us. And like every other part of us needs to be tamed. I can't eat chocolate cookies all day long or I will get sick. I can't overindulge there either. And there's a time and a place for chocolate cookies and there's a time and a place for, for various activities in the physical affection realm and, and back it up. It's not just the physical. How do we have all of our relationships all the way down to our friendships? A lot of times I think, some of us don't talk about all those things and we need to because especially in our day and age, the world's saturated with all that stuff. And if they don't have a clue what's being talked about, they don't realize that, oh, that's a temptation thing I should avoid or basically what's going on and how to make the reasonable decisions they need to make, which might mean looking at some things that's a little, a little uncomfortable. So you have some clue of the lingo yourself. Cause I know I've had to do that sometimes with my boys and like, 
okay, so that's what they're talking about. All right, so we need to have this kind of conversation. Obviously, we need to be careful how we expose ourselves and whatever, so we can do that appropriately, but we do need to deal with that area just as much as any other area as we prepare them. And sometimes the kids just don't have a clue and then, you know, they get into some kind of relationship and they have no concept that there's a difference between infatuation and just, you know, generally somebody's kind to me and, and the kind of love that is the kind of love you build a family on. So having those two, being able to navigate those waters as best we can so that they can learn this is how virtue is applied, um, but to not be afraid, and, you know, and they need to know that it's a good thing. This is a gift that God gave, but don't be afraid to not to, to address that topic, please. It seems like in, in our, my family experience, we tried very early on to always explain reasons for everything. I mean, maybe not in the exact moment, but it seems like that's been one of the best things over the long term, because then as my children are get, we're getting into teenage years and things, it's it's not like you do this because I said this is the way to do it. But here we can we now I now have the credibility in their eyes that I'm open to arguments or and I've usually considered things. So if if I'm saying this, it's not because I want to ruin fun or I'm being arbitrary, but it's because there's another reason. And I, for us, I just think in our family, I just think that's been one of the firmest rocks that we've had there as far as relationships is, is is just that treating them as an intellectual, even maybe before they can understand all of that and having those discussions. Yeah. It, it's been interesting with some of my adult children to have some kind con- some of the conversations. My, um, my oldest daughter left home when she turned 18 and she's now 25. And so I get these well, you always told me it was like this, very black and white. And I said, yes, because you were six then. (laughs) And you weren't ready for gray. So now that you're ready for gray, let me explain, Mm -hmm. you know, and some of the kids, they haven't needed to have that. They figured out that, oh, it was developmental. And others were like a little bit more black and white. But you lied to me. I didn't lie to you. I spoke to you in an appropriate way, according to the level of development you had. Um, So just... Be not afraid they're going to come back and question you and ask you questions and that are going to put you on the spot. A lot of it'll be, you know, oh, wow. So this is why you parented that way. Or now I see all those things. And, um, but having those open lines of communication so they can call up and ask anything, you know, my car broke down. I'm thinking about taking a loan. I want to move here versus there. You know, what do you think about this dress or that dress? And from the inane to the really, really serious, you want them to pick up the phone and call you. Because when they're 25 and 28, you're at their mercy. You don't get to know everything. You get to wait for them to call you and invite you into that part of their lives. Um, So we are answering those questions. We are paving the way that they will still call us and we get to answer them and enter into those conversations. It speaks to quite intentional relationship building. And (laughs) even as you are moving on to other things with your time and attention there, it's, it's not at the expense of relationship. It's that's still very much priority and Mm -hmm. intended to. Yeah. Yep. So at our last college fair, there were several presentations from Newman guy colleges and we've spoken with a few representatives from Newman guy colleges and will in the future as well. And, and there are so many great things happening at the Newman guide schools. We have such admiration for them. Many of our students go to Newman Guide Colleges and many do not. So could we talk for a little bit um, about staying Catholic at non-Newman Guide schools and to that side of things, if students discern that where they're headed to college is not on the Newman Guide list, what do you have to say in that realm? I'm glad you asked because (laughs) as lovely as the Newman Guide schools are, they're not for everybody. And they don't offer all the majors under the sun. They don't, they're just not the place for everything. And if all of the really faithful Catholic kids went there, they'd all shut down because they wouldn't have able to handle the capacity. Um, but the biggest Catholic school in the United States is Texas A&M. Yes, we talked to them on, um, it's blanking on what episode number, but we'll, we'll link that. It, the episode's called Vibrant Campus yeah. Ministries, yes. So I actually created a college guide called Every Catholic's Guide to College that's available on Amazon. The 2022 edition is the most current edition. 2023 will be out on January or July 1st. Okay. So every July 1st, 
the, the one for the next graduating class will be out. Oh, gotcha. Okay. And so what this guide is, is all of the schools. So the Newman guide schools are in there, which is 20, 25 schools. Um, but also the ones, the national Catholic, forgive me. I, I can't, I can't keep them straight. These are the register of the reporter, whichever one, the conservative one is, they have a, a guide that they recommend schools. There's a ranking place that does the top 50 Newman centers in the country where the focus missionaries are, where the St. Paul's outreach missionaries are, where the Thomistic Institute chapters are, et cetera, et cetera. And so when they meet the criteria, they're in the book and it's a typical college guide. So, um, 600 pages, eight and a half by 11, and every Catholic family should have one. Um, Because if your kid wants to be a biomedical engineer, well, what schools have that? If your kid wants to be an art major, what schools have that? And on and on and on. So by state, and then each school has all the majors that it has. It has all the admissions information, the cost information, financial aid, basic information, as well as a complete rundown of Catholic ministry on campus with who the last chaplain was that they have posted, because sometimes they change them in the summer. And so the I update as much as I can, but um, when that happens, I can't catch everything. Um, and contact information. So when you are thinking about school that's really far from home, you can call admissions. The other name for admissions department is marketing department. So you can call them and get their take, but you can also call the chaplain or the director of campus ministry and get their take, um, as well as having some idea of where their website is and what kind of activities they've got going on and all of that. Because our kids are going to be different and different environments are going to be right. And some of our kids are ready to soldier on and go be out there evangelizing. And if they're with a whole bunch of other Catholic kids, who are they evangelizing? But if they're they're in a strong Catholic cluster or in a Newman group or at a Catholic dormitory on these big campuses, they've got lots of kids to evangelize and bring in. And some of our kids aren't ready for that yet. And they need to be in a place where a Newman guide school is going to be more appropriate. Um, So as we know from every military action ever, from the simplest toddler thing, divide and conquer is the way to do things. So if I'm a lone wolf on campus, I'm in trouble. We need other people. So I got really frustrated a number of years ago, and then the Lord just kind of kicked me in the bottom and said, go do this. I'm to, with parents that were like, okay, Newman Guide Schools don't have whatever that we need. Where do I send our kids? And I was like, well, I know a few schools. So then I started doing homework. Okay, now I know all the schools. And and let me get that information out so parents can find and fish and see what the situations are, because some of them are stronger than others. And we have them in the weirdest places, like um, University of Wisconsin at Platteville. Platteville is out in the middle of nowhere (laughs) in southwestern Wisconsin. It's farm country. There is a super vibrant Newman Center there. They are throwing off vocations left, right, and center. They have Latin mass every day. They have tons going on. They're working on building a dorm. There's a huge amount of dynamism going on. There are people from miles around that drive into the school to go to, to, go to, to mass there. Wow. It's out in the middle of nowhere. It is Nazareth. You know, uh, it's that's not one the, of my alma maters. So, is it? Uh, yeah. My, and, but uh, they, that wasn't there when I was when I was there. So uh, that's yeah. There's here. one of these myriad tiny little new religious communities is in the area, hmm. and so they've got a priest there and a couple other places around, and and Father John's yeah. just going gangbusters, um, and A and M, you know, with their thing, and, and University of Illinois with theirs. But there's lots and lots of schools that have a lot of things going on. And, and you'll have everything from like your Ohio State, which is 60,000 plus students on campus. So in general, it's a mess. However, there's some really strong Catholic communities on that campus. So if you're the kind of kid that can be anchored in one of those and go out and doing other things on campus, that might be a great option for you. If you're not kind of kid that needs a different environment than that, that's not a great option. That's why I put this together. We have just phenomenal things going on on these secular campuses. And I do have a list in the beginning of the book of like all the reasons and all the groups that are um, the focus, who is focus and who is St. Paul's outreach and you know, who are these different things so that people know what they are and can find out more about them. Um, but there's also a list of schools that teach in English around the world that have been meet the requirements somehow or other. Because one of the solutions that we need to look at is higher ed in the U.S. has been co-opted and it's super 
I want to use the word liberal, but I, I'm tired of using that word because especially with a group of liberal arts people, um, <laughs> but it's no longer faithful to Western intellectual tradition and very, very divergent in very many fun fundamental ways. So go to the UK and be done in three. They haven't been co-opted so much, you know, go to Australia, go to Canada, go someplace else. Um, and for some of our families that works, it's like, well, it's actually less expensive and it's done in three years. Okay. Cause they don't do general eds in the UK, you know, or, they, or you know, go to a school in Ireland. They're in the, all in the top 5% globally. Wow. And some of them are super hard to get into like our Ivy leagues and some of them are not. Um, and you will find in the, in the college guide, and it's not like I went and picked them. It's they have to meet the criteria. There's everything in here from community colleges to Ivy League schools. So there's everything from liberal arts schools to super techie and everything in between to your musical theater schools, et cetera. The whole spectrum is there, um, which is wonderful to know that in God's provision through all these wonderful ministries that people have started, that we have cells now on campuses. Um, you know, and then we have people like Opus Dei have a lot of their houses strategically near campuses. And so sometimes they can live in an Opus Dei house um, or different situations. I don't want to flood the Opus Dei people, but, um, but there are these ministries that are out there for our kids to connect with and stand strong in the midst, even at Berkeley and other places that are super liberal. If, you've, if your school is not in here and you're thinking about it and it's a good school, I would go to the Thomistic Institute and look for where they have chapters because sometimes that's all that's going on on that campus. And so they don't meet the qualifications to get in the book, but just that they're there tells me there has to be a cell of really strong intellectual Catholic people there. Okay. I can't include them because they don't meet the other criteria, but that might be enough that you could find them and connect with them. And that might be enough for your student that wants to go to a school that's otherwise pretty liberal, but offers great academics for them and maybe the financials right and everything else. And they can plug in with those other kids that are really strong and they'll be fine. So and that's number one, they can't be alone. Um, number two, they have to be independent in their faith. Okay, one of the things we do when we leave home, we question everything mom and dad taught us from wearing shoes to believing in God. And we have to, because it has to be our decision as an adult. You've always told me I have to wear a left shoe and a right shoe. Well, I don't feel like I'm just gonna wear a left shoe for this week. <laughs> okay, my right foot's really bugging me. I'm not gonna keep doing this, that was stupid. It took me five minutes to figure that one out. But they have to do the same thing with their faith. And so they have to have a community and a context to ask those questions, to be able to sit and say, well, but I really want to have sex with whoever, or I really want to lie on this test or cheat or whatever. I want to do this bad thing that they always said I couldn't do. Humph. And have that argument instead of just like, well, yeah, whatever you want to, that's not a helpful way to sort it out. Well, let's see if you do that. Well, then the consequences are going to look like that. And, and if you don't do this other thing, well, the consequences will look like, and just to be able to think it through, like we, all we adults do, do we buy, you know, this car or that car? Do we go this place or that place? Do we engage with this person or that person in business um, and teach them how to sort it? But you've got to have that community to sort it in, you know, and they bring in the good speakers that say, oh, yeah. So what is the theology of the body for adults or what is, what does it mean to be an ethical business person in this area of business or whatever that they're getting into? And like, Oh, that's how the faith applies in my academic interest in my prospective career. Oh, that's what it looks like to be a Catholic man or a Catholic woman. I didn't know that, you know, but to have that place to do the questioning because otherwise they're going to do the questioning and they're just going to be picked off. The devil's prowling and he's going to get them. So if we can anchor them in and we teach them how to ask questions and we teach them how to pray. So they make that their own too. So one of their knee jerk reactions to who am I, I whatever, have this issue going on in my life is to say, oh God, what do I do? And maybe that's the extent of their prayer, but at least they're opening the door or to a more developed prayer life, but to have some sense of independence in their prayer life so that they've, they're bringing in a need for community, ability to ask questions and an ability to pray. And they can stay Catholic even at the most anti-Catholic college or, or university or seminary. Okay. Very helpful. Great question. Cause that's so key to all of us and, and back home, mom and dad, what do we do every single day? Two things, Jesus, here are all my kids. 
I surrender them to you. Please take care of them. Mm. Mama Mary, please put them under your mantle. Bring them close to your son. Every day, drag their little happy or sad, Mm. wholesome or not so selves back to the Lord and say, please take a look after this little one. And if you're worried, have your guardian angel talk to their guardian angel, you know, all that stuff. So we stay on our knees, but they need to have some things that we've taught them and keep breathing. Do not, you want to be the parent that your daughter can call and say, mom, I'm pregnant. Dad, I was with a woman or I stole from work or I lost my job or I lost the scholarship. You want to be the parent they can call. And your answer is going to be, I love you. How can I help? Mom, I think I'm gay. Gulp, I love you. How can I help? And that can be really, really hard when they call up and they say, I just did this thing you really don't believe in. Yeah. But if we close that door and say, oh, nope, sorry. You're a sinner in XYZ category. You're out of here. They just lost their number one anchor in the faith. So we need to stay and be not mom and dad. And I love you. I am the prodigal father. You are away in the pigsty. And I'm at the door watching. I can't wait to throw the robe around you and the ring on your finger. And I'm going to stand here until my eyes fall out and I can't see anymore. I'm watching so intently down that road for you to come back. I love you. How can I help? be that parent. I don't believe that what you're doing is good. If you'd like to talk about it, we can talk about it. If you don't want to talk about it, I love you. How can I help? Okay. So that's Every Catholic's Guide to College, your book, and it's on Amazon. We'll put a link to it in our show notes. So you have several resources on offer. You have that book. You have your blog, College Prep Answer Guide, which, as I said, we will link as well. You do a radio show. Yes, I also do a radio show. Um, it's called the Quo Vadis Show, which is where you're running to. Um, and I do it for KCRD, the local Catholic radio station. And you can um, listen to any or all of the episodes if you go to the KCRD app on your phone or kcrd-fm.org under the broadcast program tab, you will find the Quo Vadis link and you can listen to all the shows. Um, it broadcasts just locally at this time but you can stream it through the, the app. Been broadcasting for just over a year now. And there are descriptions of all the shows, so you can pick and choose what you want. There's a number that I did on the Ten Commandments. That was one of the things I did early on. They're pretty catechetical, which can be really helpful because they're thoroughly catechetical. And sometimes we get a surface um, understanding of what the Ten Commandments are about. Um, but then I felt called to shift, so I shifted and started doing basically long-form Lexio Divina of different encounters that are in the gospels between Jesus and a single person and breaking that open. Who are they? What is Jesus saying to them, to us through that encounter? Mm. Um, And they are intended for people who have never been to church, don't know anything about Jesus and all the way up to people like me who are studying for doctorates. Um, And then I also will do a segment on a saint. And then there's a lot of them on the, the Lord. And so you can see what those topics are. Um, that's been a real blessing to be able to do that show. So that's for the last year. The other resource that I would uh, encourage people to go visit is my website. It's CelticCollegeConsultants.com. There's a lot of information on there. There's a short five-minute video if you want to know a little bit more about me. Um, There's a college prep program page with information about my work with students. At the bottom of one of the pages, there's a link to tools because I've written all kinds of things, you know, like how to turn PSAT scores into scholarship dollars and all kinds of different things that I have put out there and tried to make available. Um, there's links to my blog from my website as well. I've been doing this a long time, so I've been trying to put resources out there as best I can um, so that I can help other families like myself to keep doing what we need to to take care of our kids, but knowing that we need some help along the way. Um, Just like most of us use a realtor to buy a house, your maybe bigger purchase that you're going to make, depending on where you live, is going to be college. Mm -hmm. So doing all that by yourself is um, a little curious that we do that. Um, But try to make what I do available to people so that I do some things a la carte just here and there to work with folks because we've got a smaller budget to 
you know, working with kids from eighth grade on in a, in a more holistic manner. And you can get a lot more information about that on my website. Great. We'll be adding all those to our show notes for this episode. And then the last resource I wanted to bring up, um, and it seems to be under my name, so Catherine O'Brien, M-A-C-C-P-S, um, is my YouTube channel. Um, and there are theological videos there. There are videos I've given from talks, but there's an awful lot of college-related videos in there, and they're short ones and long ones on various different topics. Um, so if you are more of a listener than a reader, um, then you can watch lots of YouTube videos and, and learn a lot. Um, because even you know, even if we're going to buy a real or use a realtor to buy a house, we still want to know some basic things about a house. Mm-hmm. Um, so understanding how admissions works, understanding how financial aid works, so th- those are out there as well. Okay, wow, all kinds of good stuff. Okay, so to the point of the college fair that's happening. If you're listening when this episode is released, the college fair is happening this Friday, April 29th. To register for it, there is a link on the Colby website. And you can also find the registration link on Colby's Facebook and Instagram pages. And registered Colby families will have received the link to register via email. So there are several ways to access the registration link for the college fair. So check that out. If you're listening to this recording after April 29th, check out Colby's YouTube channel where we will have the talks from the college fair posted for watching when it is convenient for you. Catherine, thank you so much for coming to visit with us today. We sure appreciate all you have shared with us. It's been lovely meeting you and and conversing with you. It's really been a pleasure. Thank you. You're you're very welcome. It's been a pleasure to be here. So I have two favors to ask, and that is that you pray for my daughter, Margaret, and you pray for my best friend, Paul. Absolutely. Both of them are just in need of a lot of prayer right now at this point in their life. Thank you. You're welcome. Subscribe to the ColbyCast on your favorite podcast app so that you don't miss an episode. And let us know how we're doing by leaving a rating or a review. And as always, feel free to email us at podcast at colby.org. Mary, our mother, pray for us. St. Maximilian Colby, pray for us. Ad maiorem Dei Gloriam.